If you could have a conversation with anyone in history, what would you ask them? Hello, General Washington. Good day, Miss Tubman. I had to know, so I decided let's give them a call. Welcome to the Calling History Podcast. Welcome back to part two of John Andre. In the last episode, we heard Andre talk about how the Americans were not willing to pay their fair share of the taxes, despite sailing safely across the world under the protection of the crown. We talked about the three militiamen who became heroes and yet appeared to be robbing Andre by dragging him into the forest and stripping him of his belongings. And we heard about Andre being forced to escape on land due to the unfortunate attack on the vulture. In this episode, you'll hear about Nathan Hale, who was hung as a spy by the British, and how Andre thinks the two are different. You'll hear about the brilliance of Benjamin Talmadge, who, at the last minute, was mostly responsible for unraveling this treasonous plot between Andre and Benedict Arnold. And finally, you'll hear the three orders that Andre was given, yet did not follow, that ultimately resulted in his death. I do not want to be at the end of a noose tomorrow. I've asked General Washington to have me executed by firing squad. That is my hope. I have not yet received an answer. I am not certain he can comply with that request, but it is my great hope that he will do so. Spies are typically hung. And as much as you don't want to be referred to as a spy, I'm guessing if the tables were turned as they were with Nathan Hale, the British hung, but they hung him for some of the same things that you did. Is that correct? Well, I'll ask you, Tony, what is a spy? Well, I I suppose a spy is a soldier on the opposing army that doesn't dress as a soldier and and acts in clandestine ways. I did not come within your lines in a disguise. I came to your lines because I was in negotiations with one of your officers. I did not skulk about pretending to be someone I was not. I met Arnold in Haverstraw. The intention was to come under a flag of truce. General Arnold and I wished to bring this war to a decisive conclusion. Once it was impossible to return to my vessel, I had to concert my escape. It was survival. What I ask you, what would you do in my situation? Your boat has been fired upon, your transport. You are told that you are in neutral territory. Now I'm not in neutral territory because I have to go further north. I had to stay at the home of Joshua Head Smith. The boatman would not row me back to my ship. The next morning, shots are fired and the vulture retreats downstream. I'm almost, I'm a prisoner at this point. I'm at Arnold's mercy. What, what would you do? I would do exactly what what you would do. I would try to sneak away, and this is a solid argument. You didn't exactly come over here and infiltrate the pubs dressed in plain clothes trying to recruit somebody. Uh, It it is a little different. And yet, were you not the head of spying for the English? Was that not your job? I had been given that, that charge. Yes, that is correct. The spies, they are viewed with contempt, even, even by their employers. My, my commander did not hold any contempt for me when he gave me this position. Sir Henry has always regarded me with high esteem, and I feel the same for him. I'm not a contemptible man. 
spies are paid as such. I was not given special compensation for this mission. I was an officer dispatched by my superior to discuss the surrender of my enemy, to receive his overtures of treason. Spies that succeed, they are considered heroes. Those that are caught are martyrs. I do not consider myself a spy. It was not my intention to negotiate with Arnold as a spy, but as an officer. It's my understanding that there were some attempted negotiations to trade Arnold for you. And I think the crown wouldn't agree to give up Arnold. Is that, do you know anything about this? Well, it does not surprise me, Tony. If you want people to come back to your side and they're willing to see the error of their ways, you cannot then give them back up once they've done that. That I see. No one would, no one would return for fear that you would give them back if you had to exchange prisoners. So I did because- not expect that that Sir Henry would give up General Arnold, not even to save my life. That that really does make sense because although they probably would love to have you back because once you have a traitor, you can't trust them. How do you trust a traitor? They can turn again. And I'm, But if they were to make that switch, you're absolutely right. They'll never see anybody on their side ever again. And there you have it. So tell me about the, tell me about the trial. Um, the trial has already taken place. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's another thing that I'd like to talk about. You mentioned Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale was actually a classmate of an officer that I had the pleasure, I will say the pleasure, of spending a great deal of time with, Benjamin Talmadge. Are you familiar with Benjamin Talmadge? Yes, but I don't think everybody will be. So please tell us about Benjamin Talmadge. Benjamin Talmadge was Washington's spymaster. And Benjamin Talmadge escorted me to my imprisonment at Tappan. Benjamin Talmadge is also the reason why I was actually captured. You see, when I was brought to Colonel Jameson, I believe it was North Castle, by my captors, they told him who I was. They gave him Arnold's pass. And much to my amazement, Colonel Jameson thought that I should be sent back to Arnold's custody. I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe my luck that (laughs) they were going to send me back to Arnold. So off I go. And and he actually did send you back. He sent me back. I thought I was was out out of the woods. I had been brought into the woods. Now here I was going back to Arnold, and this hopefully would all disappear. Well, much to my chagrin... Several hours later, a courier riding at a rapid pace caught up with us and ordered me back into custody. And it was Benjamin Talmadge who made that happen. He believed that Arnold had betrayed the country because he had seen my name, although it wasn't John Andre, but it was John Anderson, in correspondences between me and Arnold and believed that there was something suspicious about my activity and my capture. So I was brought back into custody. He and I spent a great deal of time together. He escorted me back to Tappan. And he told me of his classmate, Nathan Hale, who, whose situation I was familiar. And I have to say, Nathan Hale was a spy. He was working behind the lines, disguised his person. And when he was caught, he was brought before Lord Howe. 
there was no trial. There was no proceedings. His guilt determined on the spot, and he was ordered to the provost marshal and hanged the very next day. I've been in custody over a week now. So my situation is quite different, although the outcome could very well be the same. What are the two sides doing wrong about the war right now? I mean, you had said that the English need to be a little less polite. Uh, are there other changes that you would make if you were in charge of either side? Well, I told you, I think we need to treat these rebels as traitors. I think we need to be severe in our dealings with them. I've been, I served prior to my position as adjutant under a Major Charles Gray. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's most noted for his actions at Paoli. And at this battle, Major Gray knew that General Anthony Wayne of the Continental Army was planning an attack, but he got word of it. And he decided he would surprise General Wayne at night. And in order to ensure the attack would be a surprise, he elected to attack at night and ordered the men to remove the flints from their muskets. This attack would be by bayonet so that the rebels would not see it coming. Well, they mm. didn't see it coming. And many of them were put to the point of bayonet. And it was a decisive victory. Some would say a brutal action, but I would say necessary. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Jeez. It was terrible. War is terrible. And like I said, I've, it has been my goal to be a part of the solution to end this conflict without actions such as that. You had asked me about my trial. Did you want to, do you want an answer for that? Or were you- yes, please. Yes, okay. please keep going. The trial. So I was given a trial, unlike Nathan Hale. It's, I have to say, it was more of a courtesy. I'd been very forthright with my captors and your officers. During the trial, I identified myself as a British officer. I tried to present my case as to why I'm not a common spy, but I do understand that I did, that I found myself, I will say, that I found myself in circumstances beyond my control. Entering within your lines was something that I did not intend to do, but I had done. Changing of my dress was a situation that was forced upon me. Carrying the incriminating papers on my person, well, the reason why I felt comfortable, I would say, I don't know if that's the right word, content, possibly, with doing so was that once it had become evident that I was not going to return to my ship by way of the vulture, and I had to return by land, having papers that were in Arnold's handwriting certainly would make him complicit. And if I were carrying these papers, that he would see to it that I got back to my lines safely. So it, it was an insurance policy. Unfortunately, it did not go the way I would have liked. And it is because of those actions that I was deemed a spy. Although I do not agree entirely with the findings, I do accept the ruling of the Board of Generals. It makes a lot of sense that you would have some confidence thinking that if you were caught, that Arnold would get you out of it somehow because he had as much to lose as you did. And you would both lose your lives if you got caught. I'm guessing that had he felt that there was any way 
to do that. He, he probably would have done that, but that isn't what happened. Uh, my understanding is that Arnold immediately, once this was found out, um, he left right away, leaving Peggy behind. Is that what oh, you understand? Oh, dear. I do not know about Peggy, but I was told that General Arnold had fled. Let's talk a little bit about the actual trial. So, I mean, was there a judge? Did you have a lawyer? Did anybody present your case or was this just quick and dirty and let's be done with this? There were, it was a board of generals. There was a judge advocate. His name was Lawrence, John Lawrence. Colonel Green, Nathaniel Green was on the board of officers, several prominent officers in Washington's army. I did not have any lawyers. I defended myself. Witnesses had been called that had interacted with Arnold. I presented the facts. I did not try to hide my intentions, but I did believe that I was acting as an officer. Let me ask you, if Sir Henry Clinton were to offer George Washington New York City, wouldn't George Washington want to entertain that offer? Most definitely. And if he sent an officer to negotiate with Sir Henry Clinton, would we consider that officer a spy? <laughs> it's a compelling argument. I mean, it is a little, when you present the information this way, it certainly is difficult to argue with. But let me ask you, if you're not a spy and just the spy master, and it, but if you're not a spy, and what do you think the correct punishment should be for what, what you have done um, having those papers? Because it can't be nothing. I'm not, saying I, I'm not saying I should not be punished. What I'm asking for is a mode of death befitting of my office. I see. Spies are common criminals. Spies are hanged. I do not feel I should be given death at the end of a rope. You've, you've mentioned this a couple times. Being hanged or being shot, it doesn't sound to me like this is about fear. This is about honor for you. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. So you're not afraid to die. Believe me, I don't want to die. I know it's a possibility. We're fighting a war. I've been on this continent for nearly six years fighting a war, knowing that I very well could die. I don't want to die, but I realize that that is part of the risk at serving in the Royal Army. You had said that a minute ago that war is terrible, and yet you joined the military at a young age, didn't you? Yes. How old were you? Well... I began military training at about 20 years old. I Initially, I had told you I was engaged to honor a snade. My father had died when I was in my late teens, leaving me to run the family business. My father was a merchant. And when I was engaged to honor a, I thought perhaps I would continue in that trade, although reluctantly. In order for me to be a suitable husband to her and have her the acceptance of her family, I felt I must have a, a stable income and continue in my father's counting house. And once that engagement was broken, all the toil that would have been my life as a merchant, the merchant business sent my father to an early grave. And I thought that could easily be my fate. And if I was going to an early grave, I wanted to go see the world. So therefore, I decided I would make a name for myself in the military. And if I was going to die young, 
that I was going to die on an adventure, seeing the world. So your intention of joining Young was that you were not going to be a person behind a counter counting how many eggs somebody got for a shilling or a pound. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. I could not be a pigeonholed monger of wares. I enjoyed the theater. I enjoyed going to to plays, seeing Shakespeare. I enjoyed frequenting coffee houses. Ships would coming in and out of the Port of London, people seeing the world. I had lost my betrothed because, most likely because I was not going to be of ample means for this young woman. So my engagement was broken. And I thought the only reason why I was staying within the merchant trade was for honor. I could never, I could often think of Ferdinand in Shakespeare's The Tempest. Are you familiar with the play? I'm not. Well, Prospero is a banished duke and he uh, is on an island with his daughter. And to get back at the uh, at the brother that had him banished, he shipwrecks his ship while it's on an expedition. And Ferdinand is one of the men on that ship, and he falls in love with with Miranda at first sight. And Miranda is Prospero's daughter. And Prospero, in order to make sure that Ferdinand is fit, he makes him do labor on the island in order to prove his worth to Miranda. And Ferdinand would say, oh, there are some sports be painful and their labor to delight in them sets off. This, my mean task, would be as heavy to me as odious. But the mistress I serve quickens what's dead and makes my labor's pleasures. I must remove some thousands of these logs and pile them up upon a sore injunction. My mistress weeps when she sees me work. She's ten times more gentle than her father is crabbed and he is composed of harshness. I forget. But these sweet thoughts do even refresh my labors. And that's what Ferdinand would say to himself when he would pile up logs. My logs were the ledgers in the counting house. My thoughts were of honor. Prospero was her father. And that's what kept me going. And once that engagement was broken, I was no longer going to remain in my desk chair at Warnford Court in a counting house in all likelihood, never to be much more than I was at that moment. The military was where I'd make my career. Everything is possible when, once, you put that, uh, once you put that outfit on. Yes, I must say my father was very successful at the merchant trade and was able to provide a proper education for me. I learned a great deal. I was able to study with great tutors, with great teachers. I was able to dabble in poetry, music, military arts and sciences. I had a great education, a background befitting of someone that could rise through the ranks in the British military. And I must say that my rise has been swift in the last several years. I've been able to employ many of the skills that I learned in my education as an officer in the British military. As I've spent time learning about you, and now we're having this conversation, when people talk about you, even people on the opposite side that you're fighting for, they love you. It appears that you're the kind of person can walk in a room and there's 20 people in that room and you're the person that, that lights up the room that everybody wants to talk to, that that makes the place that everybody's at like an interesting place to be. You know, you've listed all these things that you do, you know, poetry, and you draw and you paint and you're interested in the theater and play. I mean, you have all these interests that make you interesting. 
it's the perfect background for a spy. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, using that awful word again. I... And I'm not accusing you because your argument is really good. But I'll tell you what, if I was General Clinton, I would look at you and say, this is the guy to run all the spying activities. My commanding officer never viewed me as a spy, I can assure you. I He was well aware of my talents. Why would you waste your talents, especially of one of your officers, and employ him as a spy, you would have to have contempt for that man because you are putting him at great risk. I do not blame Sir Henry for the predicament in which I now find myself. I He did give me three orders, which I told you why. I unfortunately had to disobey them. Not to enter the lines, not to carry any incriminating papers, and certainly do not change out of your uniform. I gave you the circumstances as why that was impossible for me at the time, and why I had to do what I had to do. Never once did he ask me to act as a spy. In fact, he gave me orders to the contrary. I suppose you're right. Those, Yeah, I've heard those three orders, and that does make a lot of sense, because those are the orders that make you a spy. And he's saying, don't do those things. If you ask several of the officers, which I had the pleasure of conversing with during my imprisonment, I wonder if they will view me as such, as a spy. Colonel Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, are you familiar with him? Uh, Yes, definitely. Yes, we spend a great deal of time together. In fact, I, believe it or not, I did spend time with his fiancée after my capture at St. John's en route to my imprisonment. Eliza, I believe is her name. No insult intended, by the way, but if I was near you with your reputation of being charming, I would never let you be by my fiancé. Hamilton must have trusted you. Well, she was not his fiancé yet. They were not engaged. En route to my captivity, I was a guest at her father's home briefly, and I did sketch her. And I did find her very charming and beautiful. There was there was no time for any kind of relationship, nor any inkling of such. When... I heard that Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, said that hanging you was this terrible injustice. I was surprised. And now you're talking about him and the time you spent with him and Eliza. And I'm trying to figure out when you spent time with him. Are you still not on the English side and he is on the American side? Why are you guys hanging out? He has been in communication with me regarding my circumstances. Hamilton is keeping me, has been keeping me abreast of the negotiations between Sir Henry and Washington regarding my execution. So we have spent some time together in my captivity. He has been charged with providing me with that information. But why does Hamilton care about somebody that is being tried for a spy? Hamilton and I got along quite well. He is a young man, much like myself. We're both driven, eager to rise above our station in life through a career in the military. Mm. We we got along very well. We discussed the circumstances of my capture, and perhaps he sees that although the circumstances dictate that I am a spy, that he understands those circumstances. I've never thought about that. You and Hamilton having similar qualities of being ambitious and hardworking and charismatic and 
I could see that. You guys, under different circumstances, might be best friends. I found it a pleasure to converse with several of the officers under whose care I have been placed. Major Talmadge, Colonel Hamilton. I am going to ask you something now that I don't think there's any chance that you're going to be able to tell me how you really feel about this, which is probably why I've never asked anybody this question. But I think that there maybe there is a chance that you may share your actual feelings about this, but it's going to be hard. The king in your time is is King George III. Is that correct? Yes, he is my sovereign. Is he a good man? Of course. Why do you not believe he's a good man? Well, there are some who say that he is a pawn, being pushed by some of his advisors to do their bidding, and that he's not a great man or a great leader. That, again, he's just, he's a puppet being moved by his advisors. Do the people all love the king? I love my king. I serve my king. That's why I'm here. It's all for my king. Okay. So let me talk about disguises. Okay. Um, have there been times where you did attempt to disguise yourself, if this is not one of them? I have always conducted myself as an officer and a gentleman. Are there, is there a specific instance that you're intimating I did so? Well, not really. I mean, we're just at this, we're at this point right now where, you know, what happens next is going to happen. I haven't told you which direction the war goes or what happens next, but the one thing that is going to happen is the execution tomorrow. It actually does happen. And uh, hopefully it'll go the way that, that you want it to, because personally, I think that you probably deserve to get your wish. I think you are an honorable man. So I don't have any information about specific disguises, but I just, at being the spy master, I just, it just, it, and I know I keep coming back to this, but I find it hard to believe that, that wouldn't be something that, that would maybe even be natural to you. Maybe something that you would teach to your underlings. Well, Tony, I will say this. I arrived in the colonies just around September of 1774. I believe that shortly thereafter, this illegal Congress had met discussing the coercive acts. I'm sorry, you and the colonies don't refer to those acts as the coercive acts. You refer to them as the intolerable acts. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. yes. During that time when I arrived, I was dressed as a civilian and I did walk the streets of Philadelphia inquiring about people's sentiments uh, about those acts and the goings on in, in Boston. But then I was just simply making my way towards my regiment. I didn't want to be a, a soldier, an officer, walking the streets alone without a regiment. So I, there were times where I was in my civilian dress and talking to the people, not doing anything to try to undermine any activity, but just getting a sense of the goings on in the colonies and the sentiments towards Parliament and their king. I don't consider that spying. There was no war. People feel comfortable talking with me as evidenced by the officers I told you about. Was there ever a time when you looked at the American cause, what they believed, and you saw any justice in it, or where it made sense at all, or was any of that was right in any way? Well, you always have to respect those who are willing to fight for what they believe, even if you don't agree with their cause. That's about all I can say. I do believe this. Uh, their grievances against the crown are unfounded. 
I've given you examples of the taxes imposed and the taxes repealed after their protests. So it's not like Parliament hasn't been listening to their complaints and their gripes. There have been concessions made. So therefore, I do not fully agree with their grievances. And I do not agree with them taking up arms against their king just because they don't want to pay their fair share. So what would you hope would happen next? Well, I'm most certain that General Arnold will now become Brigadier General Arnold. I don't believe that Sir Henry is sending regiments towards West Point at this point. The Continental Army is certainly ready for them. Nor do I think Sir Henry will be sending any regiments to rescue me from my execution. So my hope is for our cause. I hope that this conflict is brought to a close. I do hope that the colonies are regained by the crown and that independence is not realized. Can General Arnold, can he be trusted? Well, he's going to have to be. He did reach out to us. He did see the error of his ways. And I ask you, they will call him a traitor. What country has he betrayed? I know you're trying to trap me here and I get it. He Because he, he originally would have betrayed England because he sided with the Americans, which were not quite a country yet. But then he switched sides. Hasn't he betrayed both sides? He betrayed his king when he decided to take up arms against against his king. That is correct. But to say that he has betrayed this United States of America that is not recognized as any sort of country. I suppose, They have yeah, not won their independence. He saw the error of his ways and he returned to the crown. And yes, that does not mean that he can be fully trusted. I do understand what you are saying. Of course, there's going to be skepticism as to whether or not he will follow through on his promises. But now I can tell you this, there's no going back to the Continental Army. That's for sure. That is for sure. I once uh, spoke with someone, it was a historian, and he was talking about Benedict Arnold. And he said that had Benedict Arnold continued fighting with Washington and uh, the Americans, that he would have been our Washington. He would have been because he was such a powerful force on the battlefield that his people said that his face would have been on money. Obviously, that didn't happen. His name is synonymous with the word traitor now. I will tell you this. Had that ball passed through his heart at Saratoga, that very might well be true, that he would be viewed as a hero by Americans if they did in fact win the war, which I'm not certain the outcome, as I will not live to see that outcome. But I would imagine that someone who performed as heroically as he did on the fields of battle would be well remembered if they had perished on one of those battlefields. I have enjoyed our conversation so much. And now that we've had this time to talk, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, what happens tomorrow does happen tomorrow for you. I can imagine your bravery in this moment, if it looked anything like that, where you're on the battlefield, uh, was something to see for sure. Well, I would, of course, like to be remembered an officer who served his king and country with honor and distinction an officer who cared about his men, his fellow officers and his superiors, who was willing to give his life to bring an end to this 
awful revolution that has been taking place in the American colonies. That is what I'd most like to be remembered for. And someone that faced his execution with bravery and honor. Major Andre, I thank you again for your time today. I've really enjoyed this. Well, I, well, I thank you. And I think I've changed my mind. And I don't know if I want to know the outcome of this conflict. I think I'd rather just go to my death, hopeful. I think that's probably a wise choice because I'm afraid that if any of us knew what was happening next, it might make everything that we're doing now a little bit harder. So we'll leave it at that. Thank you again for your time, and I appreciate you. You're very welcome. John Andre was a fascinating man with many interests. Women loved him because he wrote them poetry, he drew sketches of them, and was an attractive, high-ranking military officer. Yet, With all of his interests and talents, he was also a man's man, which made him respected by everyone. He was the perfect person to be the head spymaster for the English and turn someone like Benedict Arnold. As I listen to him plead his case, I'm convinced. I believe him. It does appear that his intention was not to spy, but to negotiate an arrangement with Benedict Arnold. I have no doubt that he intended on leaving that discussion dressed in full military gear and not as a plain-clothed spy. And yet, when he talks about Alexander Hamilton, who we know was an intelligent man, Hamilton was said to have been charmed by Andre, writing after his death, Never, perhaps, did any man suffer death with more justice or deserve it less. When I first read that, I thought perhaps Hamilton had spent time with Andre before all of this, but that was not the case. Hamilton only spent a short time with him between when he was interrogating Andre and when he was being the liaison while awaiting Andre's execution. And yet, even the wise Hamilton somewhat befriended the charming Andre, a man who potentially could have ended the American Revolution. And if Hamilton can be fooled, then perhaps we're all being fooled. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't listened to the podcast yet with Peggy Shippen or the one with Benedict Arnold, hearing them and experiencing this history from three different angles is truly fascinating and what this podcast is all about. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do now. I'm Tony Dean, and until next time, I'm History. History.